found your way to the paranormal avenue. If at any time you find yourself a little scared, just remember I will be here to hold your hand in the dark. If you have a tale of the paranormal, do share, and maybe you'll find that you yourself belong here in our neighborhood. Submit your story at paranormalavenuepodcast at gmail.com. Now, let us begin. When I was a child, I suffered from what I thought were horrible nightmares that seemed to start around seven or eight years old. The dreams were mostly of people I didn't recognize who would come to me in black and white slides on all four walls of my bedroom. The frequency increased when I left the safety of my parents' bed. I am the youngest of a large family and so wanted to have my own room, but was told by my mom that I was not ready just yet. Being hard-headed, I pushed for independence and was eventually allowed to sleep in the room with my closest sibling, which was my brother, who was three years older. He first rejected the idea, but eventually came around. The first few weeks things seemed fine until once again the walls came alive with images and now accompanied by smells of what I realize now as dirt, musk, and decay. The next morning I awoke to find stems and what we called here in the south, china berries in my bed, which I quickly gathered up, brushed into my hands, and tossed out into the yard. The next morning, I overheard my brother telling my mother about the smells in the room. She assured him it was just the smell of growing boys. A few nights later, I was awakened by another entity that fought to emerge from above my bed. The dark portal pulsed and swelled in all direction but seemed to reach, elongate, and lower with each pulse like thick dangling tar, once again accompanied by the ragged smell. I was frozen, afraid to move or cry out. I could see the same tar-like substance dangling over him as he lay sleeping on his stomach, unaware. I am terrified even more at this point as I realize that this substance hanging over the both of us has formed within. Somehow, I knew this dark mass sought to consume us both. I had never seen any slides or portals on the ceiling ever before, and again I knew this was bad for both me and my brother. We slept at opposite ends of the bed, but I could feel the heaviness of added weight between us and the growing smell of something evil as the mass reached the bed. What happened next could only be described as divine intervention. The walls came alive with white beams of light coming from each portal. Each beam seemed to weaken and displace the mass, causing it to retreat back into the ceiling. Although I never saw or smelled this evil again, I continued to see the black and white slides of people that I now feel may have been past relatives. 
There is a lot I have found out since this encounter, but that I guess is for another time. Thanks for providing a safe space for people and their encounters. Devin The Rougarou is a legendary creature in French and Louisiana communities linked to traditional concepts of the werewolf in which we know today. Scientists have identified a genetic mutation responsible for a disorder that causes people to sprout thick hair on their faces and bodies. Hypertrichosis, sometimes called werewolf syndrome, is a very rare condition with fewer than 100 cases documented worldwide. These genes can be latent and passed on generation to generation. Legend leads us to believe that to trigger the werewolf gene, a werewolf has to kill a human in order to activate their powers, either accidentally or intentionally. After the gene is triggered, it is said that their eyes will turn yellow and their powers will activate instantly. Could this be the link between folklore and facts that brings us right back to the real existence of werewolves? The paranormal has always been fascinating to many, but I think like most things, has lost the respect that it deserves due to the growing popularity it has gained. You see, we were brought up with a vast amount of respect for the don't ask. What I mean by that is, we really didn't question what we experienced, but were never in doubt of the things that go bump in the night or day. A very healthy respect was always given. I grew up in central Mississippi, which sounds busier than it actually was, with very little to do. One of the things we did enjoy was to bring the simple black and white TV outside onto the porch and tune the old rabbit ears to any station we could get to come in. Most of the time there wasn't much on, but it was a warm tradition that didn't cost anything and was kinda a bonding activity for our very large family of nine. My mom was a very loving but stern woman who never shied away from saying how she felt about anything except the promotion of the paranormal. What she would share, she did in a strange way by telling stories of her life as if in third person. When asked why she did this, she would always remind us to give the devil his due and never hunt the hate, which was their term for ghost. Speaking in third person allowed her and those before her to communicate about these things without inviting activity, being careful, to avoid the word I or we. There were several times when I found this to be a sound practice to learn and have tried implementing this tactic far into my adult life. I remember sitting on the high porch of our shotgun home, looking into the fields of cotton across the dirt road. I could see something or someone exit one of the rows that turned onto the dirt road. 
The figure was that of an older man dressed in a weathered white oversized shirt that hang loosely around his shoulders, dark gray baggy pants secured by rope for a belt. As I saw him and was about to acknowledge his presence, my mom placed her finger to her lips as to shish me. She said in her special way that he was just curious about the TV. I was told to get a mason jar of well water, which she placed six pennies in and placed on the corner of the porch. I found out later that this was to ward off the spirit and keep it away from the home. The jar must remain there, untouched until only the pennies remain. Those pennies were then poured untouched into a brown paper bag and buried on the property. I later found out that we had to move from that property because of the high activity which ramped up even more day to day. When I asked her why we had to move, she simply said, sometimes those you see start to see you back. I will never seek out, conjure, or make light of the paranormal. Jean. If you are enjoying this podcast, please let us know and tell a friend. Your support is greatly appreciated and makes it possible. If you would like to advertise with us and grow your business or spread your message, again you may reach out to us at paranormalavenuepodcast at gmail.com. sharing this particular story because it's outside of the realm of the classic paranormal. In 1996, I accepted a position that required 40 straight hours of work. My hours started 6 a.m. on Saturday morning and ended 10 p.m. on Sunday night. For me, the routine was very normal and it allowed me to work in the state of GA and then drive to where I lived in Mississippi. I would normally hit the road directly after work because I would be wide awake having been able to sleep on the job as a part of my accepted routine. The drive from Atlanta, Georgia to where I lived usually took approximately six hours, including stops. This was a great opportunity to work and still be home with my family for five days. This particular Sunday, I was driving through a desolate section leading from Alabama into Mississippi. As usual, I had the radio cranked looking for stations to listen to. Hearing the story, you would wonder why the title of my story is called Breaking the Veil. I have often heard that during certain times realities can merge. Sometimes for brief seconds or even longer. After finding a radio station, I all of a sudden heard what could only be described as dead silence, absolutely void of sound, including what should have been on the radio. 
The section of the highway was straight and like most interstates in the south was lined with trees on both sides of the highway going east and west with a clear grassy median. In the silence there was a bright purple flash of light with no explanation. Appearing through the flash was a giant foot, ankle, and leg stepping over the trees. The left foot and its stride was so huge I never did see the second leg. The foot was able to step over the trees and two lanes of traffic into the median, then over to the other side of the highway. The details were so vivid and clear that I remember seeing jagged toenails and yellow nail beds. This giant foot had a shackled ankle cuff and chain. I am not sure what I was more disturbed about, the fact that there was a giant running through the path of my station wagon or what could be possibly chasing something that gigantic. After I passed this point in the road, I look back in my mirror to see nothing but darkness and hear nothing but silence for about another five seconds as the radio started to bleed through once again. I can't explain why it happened, but I know what happened. I was extremely grateful to put that stretch of highway behind me. I continued working for another year and never experienced anything like that again in my travels. Thanks for reading, Joe. The street lights are now on and it's time to say goodbye. The avenue is safe once again.